Hello and welcome back to Business of Film, episode number 31. My name is Jesse Eichmann and you are listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. Today's episode, we hit two topics. One, Wolf Cop, the movie, which you may or may not have heard of, but if you haven't heard of it, you can check it out at wolfcop.com. The film premieres June 6th here in Canada and then we'll be rolling out internationally thereafter. And it also features Jay Jolly, the executive producer of Wolf Cop and the founder of Cinecu, the studio that, quote-unquote, found slash discovered this film and how they went about doing that. So uh, it's, uh, it's an exciting episode, lots to talk about, and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. So episode number 31. So welcome to the show, Jay Jolly. Thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the uh, opportunity to speak with you guys. So uh, there's a lot that I want to talk about today about Cinecoop uh, and about how it works and about Wolf Cop, the winning film. So before we get into any of that, I'd love for our listening listeners to just get a little bit of an idea of who you are and how you came to uh, founding Cinecoop. Okay, sure. I'll try and be as uh, succinct as possible. So, um, yeah, my name is Jay Jolly. Um, you know, I've been a fan lover of all kinds of media since I was a, a, a little kid. Um, uh, just to give you a little context, I was actually an army brat. I moved around a lot. My dad was in the Canadian Army. And I've actually been working in media since I was 15 years old. I've never not worked in some vertical, be it film, TV, music. Um, my very first job was working on a Canadian Army base in Baden-Baden, West Germany, at the, at, in the theater. When I came back um, uh, to Canada, I worked in video stores in the late 80s. Um, I really got into music in a big way and actually went to Queen's University for electroacoustic music composition, uh, where you know I scored a lot of student films and did a lot of fun stuff like that. Um, and, you know, film's always been really close to me. Um, one of the things is when you move around a lot, like every two years when you're a kid, one of the things, I really love the inside of a movie theater because it's one of the few things that's kind of static, uh, no matter where you are in the world. Other than the popcorn changing, everything else kind of feels like home. Um, I, uh, I really, after university, I was a touring musician for a few years, and then Napster came along, and then I was like... I was kind of tired of the business. Um, I've always loved music and continue to, as you can see with the, the killer soundtrack. Uh, we had composed for uh, Wolf Cop by the Shooting Guns and some other great Canadian bands that are going to be on there. Um, and after, you know, uh, um, basically it was the very, you know, late 90s, I moved to Toronto and I started, I actually fell in love with cinematography and I really wanted to get into that. I was shooting short films at the time. I worked in Toronto for almost 10 years, like starting at the very bottom, like dragging cable through dog shit and working my way up to being like, um, you know, a script doctor and starting to put together uh, my own uh, projects. And I've always been really, I've always loved genre pictures, I'll be honest with you. I, I really like, um, you know, I, uh, stuff like horror and comedy and stuff like that. And those are always where my kind of passion lied, even when I was doing as a script doctor. Um, and then I, and I've always been, um, you know, I'll try and wrap this up, but I'm, I'm really... You know, being from that Atari VHS generation, part of me has always loved the content and the celebrity and stuff that comes out of Hollywood. But I've also also been fascinated with technology and disruption, kind of what comes out of San Francisco. Um, and it's kind of that duality that makes up part of me. So when I was trying to put movies together, and this is about six years ago, or five years ago, five, six years ago, um, in Toronto, and they kept falling apart the last money in, first money out scenario that everybody kind of runs up against. 
I had all these crazy ideas um, to kind of exploit, which was at the time like kind of Web 2.0 where we were. And it was kind of one of those things is I would be talking to distributors and talking about these ideas to use the web as a as a, a marketing megaphone. And, you know, it was the same old stuff back then. It was like everybody's like, oh, you can't make money on the interwebs. You know, put your money on the screen where it belongs. Um and, you know, at that time, the the idea of a, a online strategy with cast and crew photos and a synopsis. And unfortunately, it, that's still the case in a lot of, you know, and, and with regards to some uh, film and TV uh, properties. That being said, um, as things usually go, I met a girl, moved to Vancouver, I've seen her long distance. And I actually, you know, and I was kind of con- trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Uh, you know, I was kind of getting frustrated with just traditional film. Um, and I kind of met a bunch of people from the kind of, you know, the gas town startup scene. Uh, I had this crazy idea um, to basically, and it's what we now call, um, you know, kind of transmedia or gamification or second screen, basically to build a platform that could do all these ideas that I had if I was making my own movies to really kind of build these really cool sticky experiences and engage audiences um, and get them to evangelize and, and really take stake in in, in the film and the IP especially. Um, and it just so happens I met um, uh, some guys and they had this little accelerator called Boot Up Labs and I pitched this to them and, uh, you know, I got my first 150K and that company is called Dime Rocker and it's still live today. Um, I'm, I'm not running it anymore, but I still have a, a stake in it. And, you know, it's got about 15 full-time staff and we do stuff like Craft Hockeyville. We just built that platform for CBC and ran that. That was That's a lot of fun. We've been doing that for a couple of years. We just did this really cool thing with Telus called Story High, which is kind of has a lot of kind of cynical DNA in it. Um, and it helps basically um, uh, community access TV get new ideas and give money away to new filmmakers um, and build audience at the same time. Um, and anyway, I'm going to finish this off. I know this is a long story. Um, <clears throat> the last bit was, you know, about two years ago while I was working in you know, and Dime Rocker, uh, I spend a lot of my time in Toronto about every two weeks now. Um, and I was sitting around with a bunch of uh, filmmakers uh, who were friends of mine. Like during the day, I'd meet my clients, and at night, I'd go out on the town and have all the fun things that uh, you enjoy in Toronto. And I was listening to all the pain around the table from all these independent filmmakers, and they were saying, oh, you can't get money, it's hard to get distribution, and blah, blah, blah. And because I hadn't been in film for a while, I kind of had an objectivity and could see things through a different lens. And I kind of took that away and I did some research and I realized, wait a second, if you look at this the right way, this could be the best time there's ever been to be an independent filmmaker. And so, you know, and I started to kind of do some research and I realized, you know, I think there's a way I can disrupt the way kind of sub $5 million independent films are packaged, marketed and financed. And I talked to a few people, you know, raised some money, and I said, shit, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Let's do it. And that's kind of where Seneca was born. And sort of that was a long way around the horn. But No, no, that, that, that's great. That's great. I, I, the, the first question that, that, that kind of comes to my mind is when you were conceiving of Seneca, uh, I mean, none of the stuff that, that, that's in place right now, such as the distribution, uh, the, the financing, you know, all the partners that are involved. And, and I want to, I want to talk about all that, but when you were first kind of moving from that inception idea, uh, to, 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 to getting it off the ground, what were the first things that, that you did? And I guess before we explain that, we should, we should just explain because a lot of, a, a large part of our audience is in, uh, both the United States and the United Kingdom. Uh, so maybe you can just take a quick moment and just explain what Cinecoop actually is before we kind of peel away some of the layers. Yeah, so what, tech, what Cinecoop is, 
is um, we're basically, uh, the best way to describe it is a platform and studio model. So we're like an independent studio. Um, we do do lots and lots of traditional things. But our, the development part of when we bring filmmakers in, we wanted to create this very democratic, um, very transparent, competitive development model that really taught filmmakers how to be entrepreneurs. And in a very short amount of time, uh, so we call it the Sineku Film Accelerator, this development part. Um, and basically, you know, uh, we limited it to Canada. We wanted to test the idea in Canada, but now we're actually speaking with partners in the UK and the US. And if there's anybody out there that, that wants, we do want to bring this model to other countries. Um, and what we decided was, you know, I believe that there was five things I wanted to do with Sineku. And this is what we, you know, when we set out, uh, and this was part of me looking at those pain points. Like the really great thing right now, just to came to take a step back, is, you know, just like video games and a lot of media, the polar, extreme polarization is happening in the business model. So really there's only two kinds of movies that make money from a consistent ROI perspective. And, you know, everybody can cherry pick and say this and that, but really it's, you have the $100 million plus temple movies and you have sub $5 million independence. And even that, it's going to move into sub $3 million in terms of, and, uh, you know, if you make genre pictures in this kind of vein, in these, in these two uh, ends of the spectrum, they generally can return investment uh, more than anything in the middle. Um, so what we wanted to do with Sineku is, one, we, we believed that there was more talent um, and more audience aggregated where no one else was looking, i.e. in the flyover parts of our country outside those media centers like Toronto and Vancouver and stuff that no one was looking at. So we wanted to find talent where nobody else was looking. Second thing we wanted to do was we wanted to find not just making, like one of the things about Wolf Cop is we're not just here to make a movie. We wanted to find new IP, like something that had legs beyond just one movie that could maybe be a franchise, could be a graphic novel, could have all these kind of cool entry points into the IP. Um, the third thing we wanted to do was um, build uh, audience before we started financing. Um, the fourth thing we wanted to do was reduce discovery costs, not only in terms of how an audience finds these projects really early, but also me as a studio, I think it's really inefficient to start your model by reading 400 scripts to find the one you want to make. And lastly, we wanted our superpower is we wanted to bring big data to it. So we brought the platform and the technology I'd created in my agency. We brought that over and that's what powers Cynical in terms of the online part, like all in terms of aggregating database, looking at what, audiences are like an audience isn't a homogeneous mass an audience is made up of lurkers fans super fans and the people we're interested in are the whales in the casino that are out there are those 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 people that evangelize they write blogs they really get behind these things um so what we did to make it really democratic and i know this is another one part of long-winded jay jolly but that's the way it goes um is what we did to, uh, so you had to be to be to participate in this initial cohort uh, of Sineku, you had to be over 18, you had to have a team of three, and yes, you would have, you have to have a script, but we didn't want to see the script right up front. We wanted to see um, basically a, a concept prototype, and that's what we call um, kind of if you're in San Francisco, a minimum viable product. Show me that thing that I can put in front of an audience and start getting them excited, and we realized um, and a lot of filmmakers were doing that now, is just making these really cool faux trailers. Um, so that's what all you had to do to apply. Uh, you know, one of the cool things about the time we live in, the barrier to entry to make uh, premium content, i.e., like, you know, kids grow up with HD cameras and nonlinear editing. So 
and we saw all these, you know, these people, these young people doing it as little islands and reinventing the wheel. And what Sinecru was going to attempted to do was turn it, make a country where these people could come to and share these discovery uh, channels and aggregate um, an audience for one another and do all these really cool things. So what we did to attract the filmmakers, it was really easy. Uh, we put up a million dollars in a guaranteed theatrical with Cineplex. So there was a destination. And we also said, um, in keeping with a true accelerator, and accelerator comes again, this is a San Francisco or a, you know, very much a tech concept, is basically an accelerator is designed to do is take fine, really crazy entrepreneurs um, and basically do in 90 days what would have normally taken them two years on their own to do, like put them under massive stress, really tough love, hard milestones that are all about packaging and marketing to get them to market as quickly as possible. And, uh, and what we did is, you know, um, we started with 90 projects. We were hoping to get 100, but we had uh, 92 teams, uh, you know, and uh, they would every week we gave them a mission to do. And they, and they were generally video missions or poster missions and stuff that were really valuable to help them create audience, create awareness, and package their projects. Um, and then basically we had the audience come in so that as they were building this audience equity around their project, um, like every Monday we would upload, you know, their missions, which would be like, you know, 180 minutes worth of new content that these guys would create. And it really became one of those things where people would tune in like a broadcast media, like people would spend five minutes on average on our site. Uh, and then, you know, every three weeks, the fans, um, if they were really engaged, they would earn like kind of like what we call voting, some voting power. And they would uh, cast the vote for which they really, the project they really like. And again, the audience wasn't choosing more than they were helping us filter our decision. Like we connected Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest that we were tracking. We were also tracking earned media, print, radio, and television that these filmmakers were creating. And they created a lot of that, like almost 600 pieces in 90 days, which was amazing. Um, you know, in these little towns, people just couldn't stop talking about them. And in the case of Wolfcott, um, not only did they, you know, build this really audience equity in their town, in their province, in their country, but around the world. They had blogs coming from Japan. They had fan art coming from South Africa. So all of this stuff happened. Um, we optioned 10 of them, 10 projects that we brought to Con and in the market and tested these projects with buyers. Five of those projects we shortlisted and put in front of 200 industry decision makers at Banff. Um, and we assembled our little, basically some really high profile people that would ask them those tough questions. Uh, so we had, uh, Michael Kennedy from Cineplex. We had Lantos from Serendipity. We had Noah Siegel, who was with the E1 at the time, but we also had the top super fan from Cineku who had, was pulling questions off Twitter for these filmmakers as they presented. And then, um, yeah, and then we announced that we were going to make Wolfcock. And that was just under a year ago. And, you know, and it's coming out June 6th here in Canada. And right now, like literally in Tuesday, um, Tuesday it'll be at the, in the con market where it's screening. And we had the U.S. and uh, foreign wide open on it. We were able to finance the movie for close to $1.6 billion. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, does that answer everything? Yeah, well, there's, there's certainly a lot there. And what I want to do is I want to just peel away some of the layers right now about how Cinecoop works and, and how um, okay. just kind of the, the, the growth of the platform. Because what I find interesting in this story is, and just to kind of just to do a little bit of a recap there, uh, what I find interesting about Cinecoop is the ability to kind of turn the model on it, its head. You've given uh, multiple filmmakers the chance to 
pitch a project, but from the opposite direction as one would normally go about doing it. But when, when you first started, when you first, when you first had the concept, did you have the million dollars in place or did you have to go out there and raise the financing uh, to make that promise? Oh, no, we, we knew we, we, we wouldn't go to market if we didn't know that we had it. You know, it, it would have been me putting up more risk equity than I, than I really wanted to. But, um, but yeah, no, my big thing was momentum. Like, we knew we had our, our asses covered, so to speak. Maybe we could only do it once, and the whole thing would kind of, it would be one time only and implode. Um, that's always a danger. You know, this is, this is a high-risk startup company. So, um, so, for, uh, so just, just to kind of be clear on that, the, 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 the venture itself... Like that, yeah. that, that million dollars, as it were, is that all risk capital from, say, private investors uh, who are coming in? It's like, because I'm kind of thinking about this as, like, as a technology platform that is then kind of, it will spin off into other things, it sounds like. But at the very beginning, the whole thing was essentially, a, 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 for lack of a better word, a tech venture. Uh, well, yeah, it was a little bit of both. So that's the thing is, like, everybody... The problem was it was very difficult for us to raise money at the beginning because, unfortunately, technology guys don't understand the value of uh, long-tail content, and content guys are scared shitless of technology. Um, and we really believe the, in the world of tomorrow, it's tech-enabled content um, and creating these really these great pipelines to deliver premium content um, because the arms race of tomorrow is exclusivity. Like That's what Hulu, that's what Netflix, that's the things that are going to get those subscribers to where they want, and you know, when so there, yes, of course, the the, the investors that came into me um, was on the company side. So we have two kinds of investors: ones that invest in the technology, and the others that just wanted a piece of the movie because they understand that. Um, so just so you know, the financing in a movie, it wasn't like we're giving a big check. Like it's this isn't a contest where you just win a prize. Like this is recoupable financing. We are a studio, and we just use this very competitive, transparent model. It's really a fail-fast model, um, as is used in technology. Like, let's be honest, telefilm is a contest, but it all happens behind closed doors with people you don't see. Most big studios are competitive. Like, they're all of these producers fighting inside the studio. It's just that the audience has never been able to see or had a voice in that. It's all this kind of top-down model of these, this curation set that believes, well, we know the kind of movies that people want to see. And we just said, well, yeah, but it's, that's a very small way to look at things. And now, because, you know, there's not as many gatekeepers and you don't have to ask permission, uh, we just realize that with the social web and, and with our domain expertise and tying it together and creating these really compelling, um, sticky experiences that draw audiences in, um, the, the audience is really the only thing that matters at the end of the day. Of course, everybody sets out to make great content. I don't think anybody's ever put pen to paper to write a bad script. So let's just assume everybody that goes to make a movie is making a, the best movie they can. So then the only other thing that matters is actually the audience. And that was when, when you said you're turning the model on its head. We're absolutely doing that. Because one of the things that I noticed is the, you know, one of the big failures of movies. And, you know, back in the day when you could spend lots of P&A and there wasn't like all this distraction with smartphones and stuff. Yeah, you just, you know, I'm the Avengers. I come to Canada. I spend five million bucks and I hose it down. I'm a big shotgun. Here's some for billboards and bus stop ads and radio. And, you know, about 40% of that never reached anybody. And the, fall, the folly is, is that, you know, say um, Captain America still does that when it comes to Canada. Yes, and they have a social component too. But the problem is with P&A is indies 
can't go into the same market. I don't believe. I believe why it was failing is because Indies are trying to compete dollar for dollar against these huge tent poles, and it's impossible. But what I realized is, you know, you can't take Hollywood on dollar for dollar, but what you can do is moneyball them. And so one of the things Cineco does is by us building audience equity, like we know where the audience is, we know how close they are to a theater, we know who their friends are. This is all the stuff we're measuring in the background. Um, so our big thing is we're much more of a targeted sniper. Yeah, we're going to deploy, you know, a quarter million dollars in, you know, non-traditional P&A. We're not buying billboards. We're not buying anything like that. We've been using it to go to Sam Expos, flying the filmmakers around, um, doing online ads and all these really cool stuff. Um, uh, you know, we launched our Indiegogo campaign for the action figure. But really looking at really targeted ways to get people to the right theater. So instead of when people ask, they're like, how many theaters in you? I said, well, we're starting out west. We're going to be in six markets initially on June 6th, and then we're going to Toronto, we're opening June 13th, and then we're going out east and doing one-off events. Like, again, trying to find new models that are about screen average and capacity rather than just random theaters all over the place and just hopefully enough P&A spend and enough of that gets people to leave their house and go to this theater to see the movie. Did I even answer your question there? Yeah, no, no, 100%. I mean, I find find this obviously, uh, it's... It, it's new. It's interesting. It hasn't been done before. There, there's a lot of risk involved in here, certainly, uh, for you. But the, the the question that I guess perhaps is most interesting is the way you guys think about yourselves. Is that, like you said, this isn't a contest. You guys are, and you think of yourselves as, uh, for lack of a better word, um, a self encapsulated studio. Or would you be? Or would you consider yourself closer to? I'm going to put three boxes out there. Pick, pick one. Studio, distribution company, or production company. So the great thing is we're, we're, we are exactly all three of those, and that is exactly what studios were back in the 1940s. Like the, and even, so we're like a 1940s studio. We control script to screen and everything in between, and we're also kind of pre-Wasserman Hollywood before the big agencies came in. We were also... You know, we're also discovering and nurturing and mentoring brand new talent. You know, the guys in from Moose John Regina who made Wolf Cop, even if I had given them a plane ticket and told them where, like, E1 was in, Tor- in Toronto, they'd never get past reception, these guys. Like, no one pays attention to that. Like, so our big thing was we're, we're, we believe in audience and we believe in talent that they can connect with an audience. And the big thing about it is is trying to teach filmmakers how to think like entrepreneurs. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's a very business term, Jay, you know. It's like, no, it's not. An entrepreneur is a visionary. They're people that not only can create a great product, but they know how to market that product. But more importantly, they know how to market themselves. And if you look at all the Cineco missions, the 12 that we had them do, actually 80% of them are about turning them into rock stars, having them connect with their audience, having them go out and get an interview from a playback or a local paper or get on TV or radio. Um, and really our big thing was, you know, is if we could turn, make filmmakers turn them in, that they're not just white letters on a black screen, that they're actually real people. We believe the dividends that come from this are, you know, maybe there'll be less piracy down the pipe from them because you're not going to rip off your friend. It's kind of like the Louis C.K. model. Um, and we, we wanted to make sure that even if we didn't, you know, option your project, what you got out of the Cineco experience is you got to learn, you know, you, it, again, it's really, it's a high pressure situation, but you get, you know, you understand a bit more about social, start to really understand what connecting with your audience really is. And people found this when they actually did it. They were scared at first 
and some of them freaked out, but some of them it becomes kind of like a drug being able to sit there and connect and it's, and it's really meaningful. Um, so, and so, at the end of it, yeah, sorry, yes, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no I was going to say, say at the end, even if we don't option you, we give you a quick no and you know, Hollywood and let's be honest is based around a lot of long babies. No one wants to say yes or no. And they do everything they can not. At least we have the respect to say, you know what, we're not going to be able to help you, but please like use now you have a, a little mini website, you have all this stuff, please push other producers to it. I really hope that this was helpful for you. And again, it's not a film school where you're going to go into debt or anything like this. It's like, it's 90 days of your life and no one puts a gun to your head. Absolutely, it's going to be tough, but hopefully outside of this, that that will tell you if, you know, you want to be in this business or not. So you said something interesting there about uh, maximizing capacity for theaters, and what comes to mind uh, is certainly is the whole theatrical on demand model. Uh, we, we've had people on the show before. We had um, the CEO of Tug on the show. We had the CEO of Gather on the show, both of which, uh, as you know, are theatrical uh, on demand models where audiences can uh, can get their film into a theater by showing the theater that there's enough audience. Now, I, I know you're not doing that specifically. That you have um, that that you have this deal with Cine, with Cineplex that guarantees sort of that theatrical release. But I'm curious, do you have or uh, the um, do you have any future desires to actually pair this with? A theatrical in demand, possibly in the states, or also because, or also in Canada, eventually. I know theatrical in demand doesn't really exist yet in Canada, but certainly this is a film that you could take out into the U.S. using that model. Uh, yeah, and how do you know we're not going to do uh, a demand campaign? We still got four weeks to go. We just might. We just haven't released it yet. I don't know. Surprise me. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we are actually. Oh. Um, so that's, that's okay, part okay. of the third, the third piece of our thing. So. See, because we know that there's, there's, we already have a strong audience in Vancouver, Calgary, uh, Saskatoon, um, uh, Regina, Moostra, I think I'm missing one. Uh, so we already know that this is place we've already got concentration. Now the next thing we're doing is we found all these ambassadors. Now as part of going to the Fan Expo in Vancouver, Calgary, and Regina over the last three weeks is to build new audience. And that was part of doing the Indiegogo campaign. Again, the movie's done. We want to do an action figure. We want to do a vinyl record for the soundtrack. We want to do this. Um, so the last piece of it is we are going, we've been finding all these ambassadors in towns like Hamilton, Halifax. Um, again, and these will be one night probably events where it'll be a demanded. Like tell Michael Kennedy you want this at your Cineplex. Uh, um, just, so, you know, are you using a platform to, to drive that or is this more kind of bootstrapping it a bit? Because uh, I don't think there is a platform right now in Canada that actually does that or integrates the way, you know, tug and gather do. So I'm just kind of curious, what is, what's your method of, of doing theatrical and demand in Canada? Well, well, we just, we just build it. We're technologists by trade. <laughs> we just build our own. It's not hard to build a platform like that, especially Cineplex has an 80% market share. So they're like dynamic inventory. The great thing is that it's very easy in Canada if you have Cineplex as a partner because they're in pretty much every market. Um, so it becomes very easy for us. You know, we don't have to have multiple theaters and little individual things. We can just go, okay, here's the inventory. If you live here, you know, and, and so we're going to, you know, have these, again, this year's a, obviously, um, this is our year that we're learning and next year is really for earning, but, um, no, yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to, I think this is great by the way, uh, but I, I, I just want to be clear. Does, is there going to be a place online where you can drive audience 
to go to, to go click a button and pre-buy a seat in a theater. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've already been pre-selling tickets on Indiegogo. If you see, we sell them two at a time. I think we sold almost. Uh, we did an initial run. I think we've done almost done a couple hundred now. Um, so yeah, we've already been selling tickets. That's a great thing. Um, okay, great, great. So we so you go to Indiegogo, you'll see that we it is actually because what that is is actually just again getting audiences to buy into helping us expand the IP universe for it. Um, you know, we had a great thing. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the Wolf Cop trailer we released just under two weeks ago? Yeah, I, I saw it. That, that was actually one of the reasons why we reached out. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. I've been following the story for the last uh, for the last year or so, and um, yeah. and uh, I guess since, since since it launched, you can't not if you're in Canada. And so, uh, <laughs> but when the, the the trailer came out, and just because. Uh, the film is imminently going to be released, uh, like you said, June 6th. Uh, it obviously made sense to get you on the show to talk about uh, to talk about Cinecoop. So let's let's talk about then the uh, the the rollout uh, to the U.S. Is there a U.S. plan for this film right now? Uh, not so, not yet. Um, so that was one of the things we wanted to do. So you know, we were we. Uh, so, you know, just talk about the financing because I'm, I'm here to be, I'm totally transparent. Like I give away all my secrets all the time because I believe execution is everything and ideas are just ideas. Um, but yeah, so when we finance the movie, obviously one of the things about doing it in Canada, so the risk equity of the picture is under, um, under a half a million dollars. And that was the private equity that we, we put up kind of like our, call it our MG. Um, we had a MG that was backed by, um, some private guys and they kind of became our bank. Um, you know, the next piece is obviously, uh, there's soft money in Canada. Um, so we, the federal, the federal tax credits, so that makes up another piece of the financing. Um, of course, people are like, why the hell did you film it in Saskatchewan? There's no tax credits there. And you're right. Um, and in fact, it was very compelling from both, uh, Alberta and Manitoba. They really, right when we announced, both caught two of the reps ran up to the state and says, you know, just reminded me that there's no tax credits in Saskatchewan. And, but I really believe that there's uh, there, there's bigger dividends than you know. I don't. I'm not a producer that just gives cares about a fee and paying my overhead. I believe in making money. Like we we are a profit driven studio. Uh, we don't have and telefilms not invested in this movie. Um, you know. So one of the things Saskatchewan did because we had created such a media stir is they actually gave us a uh, the, well the filmmakers a grant to to keep it in Saskatchewan. Um, even though it would have been more lucrative to move it to a place like Manitoba. Um, obviously, as execs, we deferred some fees to, you know, to make it easier. Um, and the last piece was we actually, because we built this platform that aggregated um, not only audience but filmmakers, and, yeah, there was about, you know, if you look at 90 teams, that was, that's about 270 filmmakers participating, but we saw that there's another 3,000 like people like you that were watching. And it was funny, some of the... The comments we got was like, geez, if I knew it was going to be like this, I would have participated too. Uh, we had a lot of, this must be too good to be true and this must be a scam. Um, and still people are kind of like waiting fears. They're like, I don't believe these guys are real. Like, why are they doing this? And, you know, our big thing was, I wanted to, I looked at the model a different way because people are like, well, Canadian movies don't make any money. I'm like, I'm not making Canadian movies. We're making international movies that just happen to be made by Canadians. Like that's there's a completely different aesthetic we're going for. So, so, um, so now you've got this this property, and yep. you, you mentioned that you're taking it out internationally for sales. Yep. You have a sales 
division, person, group of people out there who are who are you working with right now to get the film out there into the into the wider marketplace? Uh, uh, absolutely. So um, yeah. So you know, as you know, Brad Palman is our head of our sales and distribution. Um, he's former you know president of Maple Pictures or co-president. Um, and uh, so he's been working with us, uh, and we just uh, did a deal. I think we announced it a few weeks ago with Raven Banner. So Raven Banner is going to be our sales agent, and they're uh, really great partners. We've got a nice advance from them. I'm really, uh, really happy with their enthusiasm. Um, and yeah, and we've left uh, the U.S. and foreign open, and that's kind of the gravy on the picture. Uh, we've almost broken even on our risk equity in the picture um, by just pre-selling all the broadcast windows in Canada. Um, so we, yeah, we were really smart and when we went out there and, you know, I, I believe we're going to do all right with this first little picture. There's a, you know, I get a call from some distributor and some usually twice a day now, um, wondering if it's open. So we just said there's two screenings at the con market. Um, please go see it there. And then, uh, and, um, you know, I'm hoping we'll have some good news stories in the next couple of weeks out of that. So you've got nine other properties right now under option. As a studio yeah. with those properties under option, what are your plans for that IP? Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna probably continue the option. We only did one year options. We don't want to be a place that you know has a bunch of scripts sitting around. If we can't make it or find, and you know, some of the some of the teams after you know they they didn't you know, get to the final five or stuff. Some of the teams, you know, they kind of went back to their day jobs, you know, that uh, some of them stuck together. So two of them uh, were actually going to continue the options on, which we'll make in a, which we'll make it. And I think we did do an announcement on one of them was bad. Um, actually, Buck Productions, we're going to be a turnaround agent, so they're going to make it. Um, and the other ones were, were, were likely going to get back to the filmmakers. Um, and uh, we're going to be announcing Sinaku, the next uh, cohort, um, just after uh, uh, Wolfcoff's released, I can't remember the exact date, but we're I think we're still fine tuning that. But yes, yeah, so we're going to be doing it again in Canada. That's fantastic. Um, so, what are yeah. your expectations for for round two? What are the what are the milestones that you guys are looking to hit uh, for the 2014 round? Um, yeah, those are being the great thing is we're we're a super agile, nimble company. So sometimes we, uh, you know, we we. You know, this year, this year will probably be, we realize we're going to do it a little shorter and more compact um, uh, based on some of the metrics and some of the fatigue that we noticed it created uh, our first iteration. Uh, and, you know, so we would, you know, probably announce, just call it maybe mid-end of June. Uh, now that everybody knows what Sinaku is, uh, you know, we're, we're going to give people about probably about two months to get their, uh, their teams together and uh, their little companies together. Uh, then we're going to open up, I think that would be one, two, I'm just trying to do my, the math in my head. I don't have the calendar in front of me. So that'd be kind of like the, the audience engagement part would open in September. Um, you know, we probably try and line it up with something like, uh, the Banff to have the top five up at Banff or, or not Banff, sorry, Whistler, the Whistler Film Festival. I always get one of those mountains mixed up. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then go into production, and try and, you know, again, have it, you know, it's not, the, one of the things that happened, because we had to spend a bit longer dealing, um, negotiating with Saskatchewan to keep it there, um, we did experience about two to three months of slippage. Like, we didn't really want necessarily Wolf Cop to come 
out during blockbuster season. We were hoping to get it out in March. But there's also the, the other upside is we were able to go to three big comic book conventions to build awareness. Um, so I guess it's that's the trade-off. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, obviously it's not written in stone, but that's kind of what we're kind of thinking in our head. Um, but there's, you know, and there's probably going to be another vertical. Um, so we've been, you know, that we're going to be announcing. We, ha- we have a broadcaster and we also have a great partner. Um, but while we were doing Cineco and we were scraping other verticals, one of the ones, you know, we started to look at television. And we, you know, outside of the Game of Thrones and these really capital intensive sci-fis, single camera comedies came up and we were like, well, wait a second. I bet we could find the next trailer park boys with this. I bet we could do. So don't be surprised if we announce in the very short time that we're going to be doing a teleco version of this, uh, where we'll be, you know, have a guaranteed broadcast. Uh, we'll be financing a pilot with a development deal. Cool. Um, yeah. So just because this is so analytics heavy, or at least one of the, one of the big things that you were bringing to the table with this platform was the, the social transparency of it. Can you share with us some of the insights that you learned from trying to get the word out there on all the various social platforms that that were used? If you could kind of aggregate those insights into some of the the big takeaways, what would they be? Um, Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, there's, geez, where do I start with that? Um, Okay, so one of the things about it is, is, um, that we know our, our core audience is 18 to 34. Um, about 49% is uh, uh, women. Uh, the next biggest demographic is actually is 20% of our audience. is kind of what I would call plus 50K Gen X wires. Um, 30% of the traffic came from outside of Canada. Um, you know, because we we're focused on English language Canada, and we really didn't go, because at the time, Cineplex, it was still... The, the East Coast was still empire, so we didn't focus as much attention there. This year, we're going to be going fully, like, right through to Newfoundland. Uh, obviously, Cineplex bought empire in the last year. Um, so, uh, you know, um, when one of the things that we, you know, and here's where I'm going to basically kind of, you know, again, putting a little, the best insight I can give people is the core fans that we have um, and the people that were really like those whales in the casino or those super fans are really do fit into that kind of, um, uh, you know, I hate to call it just the Comic-Con or fanboy kind of, fanboy, fangirl kind of stuff, but they're the ones that are really excited and get really excited about content and all the things around it. And, you know, increasingly, I'm going to recommend to people that come in the cynic, because, you know, it's not that I won't finance a Matthew Barney picture if that's, you know, if somebody really gets behind, like an audience gets behind this. Um, But really, you know, we're a launch pad for new filmmakers. We're not a destination necessarily. Um... Or if you're a filmmaker that hasn't reached a critical mass, but I was, I strongly would recommend people, you know, um, really remember that this is your first movie and don't bring me your dream project, you know, of, you know, your Ukrainian grandmother who came over and started her life in Canada. Those are all really nice, but the stuff that's really successful in our model are genres. Um, and really, you know, kind of in a certain way, you know, kind of bring me that, that movie that, you know, can connect with an audience. That, like, you know, Wolf Cop really captured people's imagination. And although people, you know, the, the snooty people in our industry say, you know, that's just another, you know, just this is a silly movie. 
it's not meaningful. I'm like, bullshit. You know what? We have people that are really passionate we have about it. We have people out there, fans who dressed up as Halloween with Wolf Cop and haven't even seen the movie yet. Um, so I would say, you know, use Cineku and this experience as remember that the audience is the biggest thing about it. And that's kind of, anyway, just to take one aside. So part of us, the problem that I have with the film industry is it was the linear nature of it and how independence thought in this linear way where, you know, when you go to put a project together, it's like, well, I write a script, I'll find a producer, we'll find some financers, we'll get some grants, blah, 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 blah. And the last thing they think about is the audience and the marketing. And often this is the thing they spend, you know, they spend their marketing and put it on screen. So it's one of the only, and what's crazy is it's one of the only products that you can make in this world where you spend all your money on the product, six figures, seven figures, you have no money for marketing, and then you wonder why your movie failed. You're like, you're an asshole. Uh, if, I, if I was making any other product and I didn't save any money for marketing, my investors would think I'm an idiot. Um, but for some reason, in independent film, this seems to be... Anyways, and you can push back on me, but this is one of the big things that we wanted to fix was why don't we start getting people to connect with their audiences before they even get to, to even work, you know, even sometimes in the case pre-script. Um, so, and maybe, maybe this project you don't want to spend two years because it's actually not really connecting with people or it doesn't really capture their imagination or, you know, and, uh, and maybe you, if you don't want to be a barista and you really want to do this full time, you know, it's not bad to make a commercial movie or something that connects with the audience initially. And quite frankly, making a horror movie or a comedy is a, a lot of fun as well. Anyway, I kind of, I digress there. No, no, <laughs> I, actually, I, I think the most, uh, well, not the most, but certainly a very salient point there is is just the, the notion of, of having the marketing dollars and being prepared to spend the marketing dollars and understanding that the marketing and the publicity is, is uh, and that audience integration is, is a critical piece to the puzzle. It, uh, we had... Um, uh, we had Mark Ehrman from Paladin on the show, uh, and it was just one of the one of the last things that that he had said, and you know, one of the most insightful comments that that he had made was that most filmmakers don't keep that back pocket, you know, marketing P and A budget uh, available to themselves, and if they if more filmmakers had a little bit of money to spend, you know, that they kept in their back pocket, that didn't matter. Whether or not the film got distribute, you know, got the you know one of the coveted disc distribution spots coming out of Sundance, that at least they would have some money to, to get the film out there and to and to raise awareness. Uh, so I, I I do agree with you. I, I certainly think that that's usually the last thing that people think about when it should be the first. Uh, th- this has been this has been awesome, uh, Jay Jolly. I appreciate you coming on the show. I, I certainly wish you the most success uh, with the release of Wolf Cop. Uh, remind our listeners again when it's coming out. Uh, yeah, so it's coming out uh, June, June 6th um, in Western Canada. It'll be out uh, in Toronto uh, June 13th uh, on the night of the full moon, Friday the 13th. Uh, and then we'll be going uh, across Canada into uh, secondary uh, markets after that based on uh, audience demand. Um and then the rest of the world's wide open right now, so we're really interested to see in the next couple of weeks coming out of town uh, what that could look like. Um, so, yeah, it's all been it's been a really fun ride, and it's just crazy. And I'm so sleep deprived, I can't even tell you. But uh, you know, no one said I had to be an entrepreneur. So uh, no, I, I wish you the best of luck, and I certainly, as you guys continue to expand the platform and bring it into other markets like the U.S. and the U.K., uh, certainly very exciting. Certainly very exciting for filmmakers. Yeah. 
that you know may not have the quote-unquote access. So uh, thanks again for coming on the show. This has been awesome. Appreciate it. Okay. Uh, I appreciate your time.